Hello, everyone, and welcome to our 25th episode here on Fan Fuel, the podcast where fans feel talk about motorsports. I'm Alex Harrington, joined as always by Nathan Ball and Colton Cranmore. And tonight, I uh, guess what? There's a snake in our boots. Let's welcome Matt, or as you like to call him, Rattlesnake Tix from Chairgating, uh, another fellow podcast on you uh, here on uh, Twitter and, and YouTube as well. Um, all right, Rattlesnake, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. What's up? Thanks for having me. So, uh, we're, we're having you on for our fan spotlight this week. Um, I didn't want to, before we get started, say thank you uh, a little bit because uh, you and Colton have been talking quite some uh, quite some time. Uh, you guys have had a relationship prior, prior to prior to this, and you've helped uh, us out a lot on, on steering us in the kind of the right direction on getting everything going. So I did want to thank you uh, before we get started. But, yeah, so uh, we'll start off this episode. Uh, with the fan spotlight on Rattlesnake um, that we've been doing, uh, kind of as as our our, our cool new thing, um, and then uh, we'll get into some of the crazy stuff that went on in the world of motorsports a little bit later in the show, um, and we'll get a fourth point of view uh, other than us on it. So first off, Rattlesnake Tex, who are you, and how did you get the nickname? Uh, I can't tell you that. I have to kill you if I told you how I got the oh. nickname. Uh, I can okay. tell you I got it in Talladega with a group of buddies, and um, that's as much as I can say about the nickname. Okay. Unfortunately, unfortunately, you okay. would yeah, I'd have to kill you. Um, Colton keeps bugging me about it, but I'm like, gladly, I'll tell Colton. Yeah. I'd love to take yeah. him out. Yeah. So. Right. Got it in Talladega. I can say that. Okay. Well, I guess you were in my neck of the woods for that, so uh, I can respect it. Um, all right then. Well. Um, other than that, I mean, I see on on Sharegate and I see on Twitter, um, I see you going on a lot of racetracks and stuff. But other than that, outside of racing, you know, what is your kind of hobbies and 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 who who are you outside of the the rattlesnake? I guess persona. Yeah, so not really a persona. Uh, okay, <laughs> I'm pretty much who you see. Uh, That's great. In terms of all the stupid shit I say. That's oh, can I cuss or am I not allowed to cuss on this? Yeah, you say a lot of stupid You're fine. I probably should have asked that. Yeah, I say a lot of stupid things. <laughs> that's that's just me. Um, that's my you know, Texas education. Uh, I do all the normal redneck things that all racing fans do, you know, just whatever redneck thing you can think of, I probably do. Um, me and Colton both apparently have interest in rodeos, so that's cool. Hunting, fishing, um, but mostly probably just being lazy and watching Netflix and then pretending to do those active things when people right. ask what my hobbies are. Yeah, I think I can attest to that. Yeah, uh, I know Nathan and I are, are kind of more city slickers than, than uh, anything. Uh, <laughs> where <laughs> Alex, where are you at? You said it's your neck of the woods. Are you in uh, I'm living I'm, – I'm basically in Georgia. Uh, I live right across the river uh, from Columbus, Georgia, and Phoenix City, Alabama. I'm about three hours away from Talladega. It and, and Atlanta are kind of my home tracks. Uh, that's mm-hmm. where I go to most of all. Um, I don't – I don't really, um, I don't do much of that stuff. I do have a degree in marine biology, so I've, I've gone the fishing route. I've done plenty of that stuff before, but I don't know. I've never been hunting or anything like that, so I'm really? not your typical redneck. I just, I just love racing, um, and I'd say probably Nathan's on the same. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, of that. I've been pretty big into fishing for most of the time, but maybe not anymore. I mean, as a kid growing up on the water, it's pretty much been deep sea fishing for. Probably as long as I can remember up until Where last you at, few years. Florida or 
Uh, Clearwater Beach. We're like right on the Gulf. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Okay. Well, uh, I guess I'm the only just degenerate redneck in the group. Uh, Colton, <laughs> do you hunt and fish? I fish quite a bit. Okay. There you go. Well, you're in a good state. <laughs> yeah. 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 My, my co-host is from Georgia, right outside Atlanta. And so he took me to my first Atlanta race this year. I'm glad I got to see it with the original surface uh, before it was tore up. So a lot of fun there. I enjoyed Atlanta and the Georgia area. Had a good time. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I guess Dakota was a little too uh, having too much fun, I guess, Saturday night. We were going to meet up Sunday before the race, but he uh, he didn't get up early enough for that. So that sounds like Dakota. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So um, didn't actually get to 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 meet with him. Um, but yeah, the race up there uh, this past weekend was really good. Um, I didn't actually get to go in March, so I'm a little bit jealous of that. So um I've, I've been to every race since I can remember other than that one. And of course the one last year with COVID. Um, but you've been to a lot of racetracks. Um, I know, you know, a, sh a short list, a long list, you know, it depends on who you ask. Um, for me, I've been to three. Um, I think Colton and Nathan have been to similar amounts. Uh, maybe, maybe mm -hmm. not. Um, you've only been to one. Yeah. I really harp on him one, about this. The one race ever. Nope. Okay, so this whole time that we've been on here, I've been thinking that you've been to a couple races on that side of the country. No, nope. you talk I about. Have, I have never even seen a checkered flag because the race that I went oh, to. Oh yeah, yep. Wow. Okay, oh, you got to get out more, man. Yep. So Bro, I live so fucking far away. Like the closest track to me is like thirteen hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All you hear yeah, from yeah. Colton is excuses. That's well, yeah. Well, pass it back back to Rattlesnake. Since you are the most proficient in in going to different racetracks, I did want to ask, um, what was fan engagement like at these various tracks? Obviously, lately with COVID, it's been a hit or miss depending on you know what's going on outside or, or pre race concerts stuff like that. Um, but with with your wider range of racetracks that you've been to, um, what are some of the best and worst fan engagement that you've seen? Yeah, I mean the best obviously is Talladega. Anybody that's been to right. Talladega knows that anybody that's been to any race. I mean, once you go to Talladega, there's nothing else quite like it. Um, each race I've been to is quite a bit different. You know, um, people hate Texas Motor Speedway, but the the tailgating before the race is a lot of fun. Um, you know, Kansas gets overlooked, but it's a lot of fun as well. They have a casino there and hotels and shops. So Kansas is actually a pretty sweet setup. Darlington might be my favorite race to go to. Um, I love the atmosphere at Darlington. It's a small town in South Carolina and just, it's, it's almost like going to a County fair race, but it's cup series. Uh, so that's right. honestly probably my favorite race to actually attend that or Talladega. But yeah, it's just different at every race. I haven't been to a race really like up North or in the Northeast. Kansas is the furthest North I've been. Uh, so I don't really know what it's like up there or the West coast, but yeah, in terms of the South, it's just, it's different for every single race. It seems like I've heard Watkins Glen is a hell of a party. I've heard Michigan's a hell of a party. I'd yeah. be interested to yeah. get there. You can imagine those everyone North. They don't have anything to do all year. Yeah. Well, in Michigan, it's just like Midwest rednecks. If you've ever been up there, mm -hmm. they yeah, love to hunt and fish. And, yeah. I mean, they're like, yeah. they're just rednecks with a different accent. Yeah. So just cold Alabama. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
Well, that's like if you listen to anyone in the industry, they're going to tell you that the, their favorite racetracks to go to are Talladega and then second is always Michigan. As someone who's never really thought of Michigan as having the best kind of right. racing experience, I wouldn't even mm -hmm. think of that being thing. But apparently they race hell in Praisedale up there. Yeah, that's what I've heard. I know <clears throat> Belly Up Sports, like as a group, we've always talked about, you know, renting out a couple spots and going up there as a company. And the year we planned to do it was COVID. <laughs> So yeah. we just shut down everything. We haven't really figured out since, but apparently it's on my short list of my uh, my bucket list. We did an episode on Chairgating about our bucket list tracks or races to attend, and that was on my top five. So hopefully I'll get up there. Yeah, uh, hope you do. Um, so just kind of a little bit of look into your life um, is kind of what we're trying to do here. Um, so. Um, obviously you're hosting a podcast, right? So what got you into podcasting? I know, I mean, for me, um, it was just trying to get my voice out there. And then I got with these two knuckleheads and we've come up with something that I think works really well. Um, it, it's gained a couple of friends and then of course, whatever the future brings, the future brings, right? But for you, you've been established for quite some time now. You're going to racetracks. I've seen you, um, hanging out with fans, um, you and Dakota, you know, shotgun and beers in the campgrounds, all kind of stuff like that. I mean, how has how has Rattlesnake, how has Matt changed from from being just a fan to now someone who, I guess, actively works at podcasting and and that side of the industry? Yeah, um, I started chairgating the podcast four years ago now, and I started it just because I, I really liked like Pardon My Take and some other sports podcasts that kind of blended like humor with sports. And I really liked that concept. And I was like, damn, I'm really annoying and opinionated. I could do this. So I decided so to do my own. Yeah. <laughs> and it actually started as a college football podcast, believe it or not, because that's like my other favorite sport. Um, and then I realized the seasons are really short. It's super, you know, oversaturated with the amount of podcasts. I was like, what's my other favorite sport is NASCAR. And I was like, there's not that many, you know, this was four years ago. I was like, there's not that many. Like Dale Jr. had kind of, he hadn't even been doing the download that long. Yeah, there really wasn't that many options. So I was like, why not just like switch it over into NASCAR? I think that was the best decision. Made a lot of friends doing that. Uh, I've been able to interview a lot of drivers, team owners, reporters, stuff like that. And then, this season, I decided to add a co-host, which was Dakota, just because I liked his energy. <laughs> yeah, Colton got got passed up on that one. Be fair. Uh, hey, Carl Snake was gonna pick. He even sent me a text. Sorry, Dakota, for <laughs> watching this. He's like, "Hey, I was gonna pick you as my co-host, but you were doing this fan feel thing, and I didn't know if that was gonna interfere." Well, I was like, I'd have recorded three times a week. <laughs> and Dakota was. Uh, bought me a ticket to Atlanta yeah. and I told everybody at the beginning if you bribe me I'm probably going to pick you yeah. and Dakota right. was like I'll buy you a ticket to a race and I was like boom <laughs> alright uh, my <laughs> yeah. morals are pretty bad so if you bribe me I'll, I'll man I'd have bought you Garth Brooks tickets and got you like, rodeo tickets for four days you say you woulda you coulda I I mean hey. Garth tickets were not set hey it's too late now Colton you're with us yeah, exactly. so no going yeah. back I think it worked out though, because now I have Dakota, you're over here, and so now we can do our own things but help each other out. So yeah, and that's what's working doing, out. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean that's yeah. 
that's pretty much where I'm at with chair getting right now. I used to do a lot more interviews with drivers. Uh, and then I, I was, cause I was all hyped about like, this is going to be my full-time gig. You know, this is what I'm going to do for a living. And I was like, you know what? Let's be real. I'm married. You know, I got, I'm trying to buy a house. I have, I have a real life. I should probably work a real job. So yeah, I mean, I have a real job like everybody else and the podcasting, you know, we have sponsors and it does well, but it's mostly just to talk shit and have fun with my friends. And so I've stopped doing a lot of the interview stuff. I know Dakota wants to get more back into that. So I might just let him handle driver interviews. And I just like chatting with people. Yeah, that's um, one good thing that the three of us have kind of gotten good at is chatting with each other and kind of keeping on, kind of keeping ourselves on track while also letting some of our really hot takes go. Um, and that's something that you guys do really, really well. I know um, I, I listen to podcasts kind of differently than people, so I'll 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 let your guys' stuff stack up and I'll listen to it at work one week and then I'll do that with four or five other shows. So when I'm listening to you guys, you guys are always cutting up. You're always saying just outlandish things and i love that about you guys oh yeah um so so that no holds bar attitude when i asked you is that a persona earlier you said it wasn't um how much has that gotten you in trouble um over your four years of podcasting i mean that gets me in trouble within my entire life um okay. i think colton me and you were talking about like people who have been in fights and like a lot of nascar you know younger fans were like man these are kids that never get in fights i'm like I don't know if you call them fights, but I've got my ass kicked plenty in my life because of this type of attitude. Um, so, yeah, that's not a persona. This is actually who I am. And everything I say on a podcast, I will tell you to your face, whether you like it or not. And, yeah, it's gotten me in trouble a lot. In, in terms of podcasting, I have lost a few connections that I did have for stuff that I say. And, you know, I'm not apologetic about it. And sometimes I'm worried, you know. I'm like, well, NASCAR gives us like credentials to races if we want them, you know, at any point they might pull it because of some stupid shit that we do. So, yeah, it's always a, it's always a risk to get us in trouble. But I told Dakota, even when we came on, I was when he came on, I was like, you know, just be yourself. And if it gets us in trouble. It gets us in trouble. But it's better than, you know, trying to filter ourselves. So, yeah, this is who I we mean, both are. <laughs> I feel like if. Portnoy was able to get media credentials before he started sponsoring cars. Chairgate is probably good. That's the thing. And that's what I've always said, you know, um, Barstool sports, whether people hate it or love it, it kind of did influence me to start talking. Cause I was like, well, all these other people can do it. You know what I mean? Right. So yeah, it's not like I always agree with everything they say, but their attitude towards things really kind of inspired me to want to do it. Yeah. And that, that that was something that I found interesting because there was kind of a war with them for a minute there, and I didn't understand because you got a a very big, very popular company coming out and and showing off NASCAR's product and bringing different types of fans into the into the stands onto the TV screen, and, and I thought it was a big thing. And if the, if there were someone that um, got other people to do similar sort of stuff, kind of like what you're alluding to, um, why you started your podcast, that's always good for the sport. Um, on that note, um, we always ask our guests what sort of state they think that the sport is in and then what they would do to make it better. So I'm going to pass that to you. All right. How long does this episode go for? Three hours? Okay. Uh, Just give me yeah. three hours. Yeah. Discuss this. Um, this is like those two questions is pretty much the entire podcast of chair gating. I mean, uh, when Colton came on, I think I asked Colton, like, what 
I want all of my guests to think what's the line that you would draw to where you essentially boycott NASCAR and just have something like that in your mind because you never know. NASCAR might get to that line sooner than you think. Uh, so in terms of the state of NASCAR, I think we should all it's all nice to you know say like, well, everything's good and Danny, but it's not. Let's be honest. I mean, just look at viewership and attendance over the past 10 years, 20 years. Obviously, it's not in a good place. Um, they are doing some things right and they're doing some things wrong. But at the bottom, at the end of the day, it's like the place we're at right now is is not good and they need to fix it. So I don't know. I don't know what I would do to fix it. There's a lot of things I think I would do to fix it. Um, I don't think I have the time to discuss everything I would do to fix it because it would start at the car. It, it would go to the marketing, the places they're racing, um, the drivers, how they handle fan attendance. Right. Just about everything that needs to be fixed. So Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, something that I look, uh, looked at today on Twitter, it was – it was people arguing because Bob Pockers said that they were going to, there was going to be someone doing the Daytona pre-race. And a lot of people were like, ah, another country artist. Um, I know that you said you're, you know, thick blood, redneck, whatever. Um, so I'm assuming that you're in that demographic. No. So you're not. Okay, nope. good. So this is going to, okay. this is going to, this is going to um, go really <laughs> well. So this is a discussion for all of us to have because I, I had it with someone um, as far as going into the country market um, for pre-race concerts, one of the things that I always talk about on here is we need to get more fan activation at the track to get more fans in the stands. And right. going after a country market, I don't feel is worth anything because most of the people that come to a race right. already like a country. You're not, yeah, you're not inviting those people to come do something new because their favorite artists are there. Um, so, I'll start off with you, Matt. Um, do you think bringing hip hop, rap, pop stars, uh, maybe lower tier because you know that's all we can afford as tracks? I don't know. Or higher tier would be would be good. Like they just did the crossover with Post Malone, um, with with Denny and and Bubba. So do you think bringing some of those guys in for a pre race concert would help grow the sport? Um, that's a tough one. Uh, honestly, I don't know if hip hop is your answer. But I don't think you have to get these middle tier country artists every single time because I don't know who likes those people. I know they're probably pretty popular, but like what you were saying, uh, you know, that's the NASCAR fan base already. But at the same time, you can't go too far out and try to attract a completely different audience because you do need to please your fans. So if you bring in some rapper that none of these 50 year old NASCAR driver or fans have ever heard of, that might also backfire. Um, I saw somebody comment and they were, they might have been joking they said kid rock and i was like that shouldn't be a joke that's the type of person that actually could bring in you know a lot of people it's gonna please the old 50 year old white yeah. guys it's gonna please maybe some of the younger people maybe some of the hip-hop stuff you know somebody like that essentially super bowl always does a really good job with some alternative right. rock band that pleases everybody so my point is it doesn't have to be country but it needs to be kind of in the middle like ride the fine line yeah we going mean Colton, Nathan? please yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey. so um to rattlesnake's point i mean you got to find something that you can't go too drastic too quick um i think posty would be a good one just because he's already mm -hmm. kind of done a little bit of nascar crossover who posty good old post, post Malone. 
Oh, Post Malone. Um, yeah. I'm not hip to stuff. You have to <laughs> slow it down for me. I think he'd be a good one. Even the hip hop. I mean, I see you know hip hop artists all the time rocking a NASCAR jacket. You know, an old Jeff Gordon something. So they at least know about it. Um, but I mean, to Rattlesnake's point about the 50 year old guys, the concerts, are they really going to the concerts? Um, are they? Yeah. I mean, I only see college age kids for the most part. I'm sure there's a few you know older folks spread out in there. Um, but you need to get something. Whatever the barstool sports crowd is, that's yeah. what we need to be going after. We don't need to be going after a lot of the latte drinkers, things like that. I mean, we're a rough kind of you know redneck sport. Yeah. Um, let's get the college kids involved in some way. Bring on Greta Van Fleet. Bring on Post Malone. Bring on stuff that they kind of like. Um, even if they are football, basketball fans, um, they're going to kind of draw to that artist and then grow from there. I mean, eventually they're going to grow up and they're going to have kids too. Um, and what we need is more 40-year-olds in the stands here in 20 years rather than keep trying to chase the 20-somethings and the, the teen-somethings. Absolutely. So I think like yeah. a modern rock, uh, Greta Van Fleet um, would be a really good one. Something like Imagine Dragons probably wouldn't be too bad. Um, I definitely think this whole Nashville, Chris Lane, bubblegum, pop country thing. I don't even know those working. I don't. I listen to country and I don't know that. Yeah, I listen to country right. and I've completely turned off all the Nashville radio stations in my truck just because it's way more pop. And if we're going to get a, a pop country guy in there, I'd rather just see a pop artist and see Maroon 5. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think you could have said that any better. Um, I think you need to get my age demographic more involved in that stuff. But at the same time, it's kind of hard because you don't know if a 20-something-year-old college kid is going to go to a concert and then stay for a 500-mile race after that. And that's the thing that I'm kind of concerned with. I don't know how you're going to do that, but it's a start. Yeah, and yeah, show up for the concert, and mm -hmm. I mean, if you if you say yeah, a stick around for the race, concert, right? Two hundred of them are probably going to stick around. Yeah, it's better right. than nothing. Yeah, and that was what I was saying to some people on Twitter that thought that the idea of not having country people was was bad because you want to please the fans that are already there. Um, I'll say this: there's a lot of people last week at Atlanta. Um, they were all outside, and then when I go inside, Breland is playing. I don't know if you guys know who that is. Um, it's a young uh, uh, black artist, and he does what he calls cross country uh, because he does some some like blues and hip hop with his country music. And when I went inside, um, traditionally, that's not a black market in Atlanta Motor Speedway. And I'll say that as someone who's been to that racetrack, there was a lot of younger black families out there listening to the concert they stuck around for the race now that's good for getting a newer demographic now when you look at, at, at other places obviously you you need to check out who's who's around there who do you want to get out to the racetrack you know we have no representation of most other races other than the white male um in, in the in, in the in the in the pre-race concert and I know that's a touchy subject but you know we've got a owner in pitbull now where where are the Latinx before races and stuff like that and I might be the only one on on this show to say that we need something like that but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to go out and get those demographics to come to a race because like Colton said if you get just 200 of to stick around well yeah. maybe you've got 400 at the next because they all bring a friend well, I mean, would you be worried about getting a band that plays Spanish music? That I mean, everybody else that's there is like, I don't even know what they're saying. I mean, Pitbull would be a great artist because he's the yeah. type of guy that can bridge gaps. Yeah, I think it's somebody like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I yeah. Just feel well, like that's like Gabriel Iglesias. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, not the not the comedian. What's the other one? Enrique Iglesias. Yeah, he makes. Yeah. he makes. Yeah, bangers. yeah, yeah. I just feel like a pop, like what Colton was saying, like somebody super poppy that can kind of bridge the gaps. It doesn't have to be country, mm-hmm. but yeah, somebody that can maybe more bridge gaps, like what you were saying, the artists in Atlanta. Um, that would. Yeah, I well, think it would be based on the demographic where you are. So, like, you would you would probably get more of a hip hop style if you were closer to New York City or something, or. Out in L.A., you're going to have, like, the Maroon 5s and stuff like that at Auto Club. You know, you go to the Daytona 500, why don't we have a massive pre-race celebration like they do the halftime show at the Super Bowl? You know, you could have a Lady Gaga and Ariana Grande. You could have, you know, pretty much any big name. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Because a lot of people have turned Imagine Dragons into the new Nickelback, so it's like right, the whole thing. Right. Hate them. Yeah, right. like you're going to get flamed if you listen to it. You know, let's steer yeah. into it and get Nickelback. And now let's dude, bring it up. There you go. I've been on this for years. Nickelback writes bangers, dude. They <laughs> well, yeah. this. So what we need to do is we need to bring Montreal to the cup schedule and just have a Nickelback three-hour pre-race concert. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> I'm about it. Iron discography. I oh, bet yeah. you would get – you would get so much media attention about how funny that is it might work yeah i, I yeah, think that, the skin. <laughs> sometimes like people say even um bad attention is is is, is still good uh, publicity exactly. so yeah so i just wanted to bring that up because it was an interesting topic i saw on twitter um as far as fan amenities though um you being one of the older fans of this uh group of four right now because i know nathan's um, only 19. Um, when old. I look, yeah, I'm calling you old. So when, when you used to go to races, I'm assuming you've been going for quite some time. Um, when you were going in the mid 2000s and and the 2010s versus now, what is your kind of critiques, I guess, for that fan zone outside of the track? Because for me, I, I think it's so bare bones now that it's not helping anyone who's there um, enjoy their experience. Yeah. Well, first of all, we need to actually like, fill up the grandstands like we used to. I think that would oh, help yeah. a lot. I mean, that was <laughs> one big difference. Um, now you can, it's kind of nice because you can sit wherever you want, but that's not really a good thing for the sport. Yeah. In terms of like the fan experience, I think part of it was because they sold out every race and it was such a big spectacle that companies were interested in investing money and time into the sport. Whereas now I think it's kind of hard for them to convince these companies and groups to want to invest the time and the money into the sport when, you turn on TV and half the grandstands are empty. You know, it's you go to a local dirt track and you're not going to see much um, stuff going on there. So I think that's associated with it. I wouldn't be totally against them going. I know this is probably controversial going back to the merch tent instead of the haulers. I know people love the haulers, but I mean, if you're a fan of Bubba Wallace or Eric Amarola or Ricky Stenhouse Jr., at least in the tent, you had hats and T-shirts and stickers that you could buy. Right. I mean, even as an Austin Dillon fan, RCR has to share their color these days with just Chevrolet merchandise. It is really right. um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. That's one thing that I think might be fun to go back to, but I think a lot of NASCAR fans, just like the nostalgia of the haulers. Yeah, that's one thing that we talked about earlier um, in earlier shows is just – our fans are a little bit stubborn with change, and and that's something that I think um, these guys can attest to. Like even if oh yeah, if we I'll chime in on that for sure. Like if 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 we do something great, like I I agree, I love the fanatics tents because you could just spend a few minutes 
everywhere, get all your stuff, and then leave rather than having to spend 20, 30 minutes in three different lines because you wanted a hat from this driver, a diecast from this driver, and a pennant from the Chevrolet hauler. Yep. Um, so, like, you know, it, it was it was better for fans, but, you know, like, it changed the tradition, and that's what was pissing off fans. And we've had plenty of talk, like, with Nathan – he thinks that the July race being in August now for Daytona, it's not a good move because of tradition. So uh, right. we've had I discussion of that. It's just my time, you know, I think yeah. my take on this is more so the merchandise itself rather than say tents versus haulers, because, you know, even in the days when the fanatics tent was at Daytona, I remember that there wasn't a lot of unique merchandise between the drivers. If it was all stemming That's from true. fanatics or NASCAR.com, all the shirt designs were similar. You would yeah. see everything that was kind of cookie cutter. And I think if the merchandise, like you said, now was a little bit different, it'd be better because the problem being, you know, you've got an entire hauler for every Chevy driver that isn't a Rick Hendrick, isn't owned by Rick Hendrick. Like those are the only individual trailers. You have Chase Elliott, you have Kyle Busch, that's it. Everything else is under one. And if there was more unique merchandise per driver or stuff that was designed by the team itself, you'd probably see more sales, but I don't know. I'd probably wait in line for 40 minutes if there was a, you know, if there was some sort of special merchandise I could buy. Something I brought up and recommended in my podcast. I don't know if this would ever happen, but I mean, why don't we have both like fanatics sells their merch and the teams can sell their merch out of their haulers. And so you have the best of both worlds. I didn't really Mm. understand why you can't just have both. I'm sure mm-hmm. there's something, you know, some legal shit there, but um, yeah. that was my suggestion. I was like, yeah, you why not at, both? It's like that. Well, you look at, say, the dirt drivers, they have their own website, you know, R&R Raceway and all that kind of stuff that they make uniquely designed merchandise. They sell it at tracks. I don't I don't right. see why we can't do the same thing. Yeah. Also, no, I think you get uh, Jared, PK Jared 9 on Twitter. Yep. Um, he went to the World Outlaws race. He's going to send me a Sheldon Hot and Shield shirt. Oh, I finally get one. I'm so stoked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then he was uh, – we have a group chat with Jared, and um, he was telling you uh, you should ride up to one of those races that are close to you. So um, you're going to you're gonna make the trip to North or South Dakota? My brother is moving in at the end of this month, and so he's going to take about 500 bucks off my rent. So I just – just might. I really just oh, – okay. All right. Yeah. So um, – you know what? Let's steer the conversation in that direction. Um, Rattlesnake, we know you said earlier you like watching college football um, alongside NASCAR. But uh, for me, as someone who's driven through Texas, my fiance's parents used to live in Brownsville, so we had a 16-hour ride from here. There's one racetrack between the border of Louisiana and the border of Mexico. Um, How is short track local racing in your area around uh, Austin, right? Yeah, yeah, it's not great. Uh, Texas is not a state with a racing culture, to be honest. Um, you know, it's uh, honestly, it's high school football, then college football, and then probably rodeos, and then like NFL and everything else from there. Um, that it's a football culture, and racing doesn't really, racing would come in behind right around hockey, you know, where it's just not that big here. We do have tracks. Um, the closest, you know, short, just a dirt, short dirt track to me is probably an hour and a half away. You know, that's the closest one. World of Outlaws was running there and it's not on their schedule anymore. So I don't even know yeah. 
what's going on there. If you go to any schedule for any kind of racing series that does late model dirt, sprints, um, even modifieds, you will almost never find Texas on any schedule. It's pretty sad. So it's it's not a great culture for racing here, to be honest. I mean, we have the Austin race now, which is nice, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was a question to ask. I know. I mean, I've heard nothing but bad things about Texas high school football and how, how much hell it's caused on, like, families and stuff like that. What um, do you mean, Matt? I guess maybe – <laughs> well, I've heard that it's so serious down there that it literally breaks up families and there are people being getting in fights and stuff. You know, they had the whole TV series about it. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I is will it say, the fact that they don't have time on the weekends because they're doing so much with their kids with football? I will say this. I mean, the like I, the town I grew up in, which is just north of Austin, it's where they filmed um, Varsity Blues. They film episodes of Friday Night Lights there. And it's it's a real thing where on Friday nights they really do shut down all the businesses. And then when I was living there, there was over twenty thousand people. It's not a little tiny honk, you know honky tonk town, um, but businesses legit will all be closed, and everyone's at the stadium. Our stadium held just under twelve thousand people. Sell it sells out every single Friday night. Damn. Yeah. So, yeah. in terms of Texas high school football, if it's six A or five A. Um, more than likely, they more people are watching that than the middle tier college teams in Texas. Wow, yeah, it's I mean, it's very, that's, very serious. That's interesting, yeah. Man, I, I couldn't imagine that. I mean, you know, we had obviously high school football, but we only sold out our rival games with our crosstown rivals, and uh, we had shots fired at a couple of those, so that was interesting, but uh, oh, yeah, no shots fired. That's not the type of thing, okay. I, I hear, you know, I hear rumors on the internet that it's just, it's like hell down there uh, because they're so competitive. So I just, I, I want to great. ask you about that. I love it. We, uh, yeah, the town's next to you. You will hate each other because of their football team. I mean, it's all in good fun. Obviously there's fights in high school, you know, yeah. that's unavoidable, but I think it's fun. I love the rivalries that we have down here and um, I love college. I love college football more than the NFL. I'm a Texans fan and, that's probably the reason I barely kept, keep up with the NFL. Um, but in terms of college football, I will watch every Saturday. I'm watching like every game. That's my whole Saturday. Kind of like my whole Sunday's NASCAR. So, Yeah, well, I think, yeah, we get into that because we're watching IndyCar, Formula One, and IMSA and all that good stuff. So, yeah, well, uh, I guess kind of moving on, um, is there anything else that you want to bring up? Uh, maybe Colton, do you have anything that you guys have have talked about previously that you guys want to bring up? Not anything specifically. Uh, I just have a group chat with Rattlesnake, and he and I go back and forth quite a bit. Oh, yeah. Sometimes it bleeds off onto Twitter. Um, <laughs> you see that. So I'm currently rallying to try to get him and I to start a podcast, something like uh, uh, what's that one with Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless? Undisputed. But we just like yeah, there you go. Got NASCAR the whole time, right? Because our takes are so polar opposite, ninety nine percent of the time. So all we do is just banter back and forth. So, yeah. I mean, I hate Rattlesnake, but I love him too. Like it's, I know. it's Colton's it's like, so ugly and yeah, stuff to like talk to. Thing, you know, yeah. like anyone else can be, or anyone else can. Uh, no one else can talk shit on my brother but me. You know, yeah. And I'll just sit there and beat on his ass all day. You know? No, he won't. Yeah. I'm the older brother, so I will beat on no. his ass. But yes. 
That's essentially the relationship. Yeah. Well, you have the more powerful mustache, so I think you win just by exactly. default. So. Yeah. Exactly. Well, he's got like 10 years on me. Yeah, and like 100 pounds probably. So. I don't know. I'm about 200. Oh, never mind. Yeah. Okay. I was trying to call myself fat, but I guess you did it for yourself. So, yeah. 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 Hey, you always got a good question. What do you got? Who, me? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> what? You always got a good question. What do you got? No, I, well, I guess I'm going to have to go to the default because I got really caught off guard here. So I'm just going to say um, <laughs> this is the default. I do this for every single fan spotlight. Um, we actually talked long enough to where I forgot it up until Colton came on. So I'm going to have to go with this. Um, you have to pick one race in person that you can go back to to attend. Like what's your favorite and why? Like a race that I did attend that I can go yeah. back and attend mm-hmm. again? Yeah, like whether it's the experience, whether your driver won, you know. Anything. That's a tough one. Um, that's a really tough one. My probably my first Talladega. That was such an experience. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's when I was like, "Holy shit!" You know, this is yeah. when was when, that? Um, yeah. 20, 2013, I believe. Twenty thirteen or fourteen? I'd have to go back okay. and like Instagram and check. Okay. Um, yeah, that was my first time ever going to Talladega. I was in college. Uh, drove mm-hmm. out. So it would have been 13, probably drove out there with a group of fraternity brothers. None of us really knew what we were getting into. Um, most of us were pretty good, you know, NASCAR fans at least would keep up with the sport. Some of us never went to a race before. And um, that experience was just like any other. That's where I got the nickname Rattlesnake, um, you know, stuff that we will never talk about again. <laughs> yeah. One of those experiences. It was just that, that was the best. I mean, Probably next to my wedding, that will be the most remembered day of my life. I think is that is that just because your wife's watching yeah. somewhere? Yeah, is that yeah. that's exactly why I said next to the wedding. I get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What? Well, if you had one race that you never attended, like what's your favorite race of all time that you wish you'd go back in time and see? Um, honestly, probably Austin Dillon winning the Daytona 500. I was there. My- that's a very controversial race. Yeah, it was. Oh, man. Yeah, just because that would be really cool to see my favorite driver um, win the Daytona 500. That would have been that would have been awesome. And I would have fought every single two Eric Amarola fans were, that were there. So, <laughs> Man, I, that was interesting to me because I, I actually picked Amarola to win that race. Oh, and I had shit. money on him, and I was oh. – I don't mind Austin Dillon. I just wasn't happy That's with the outcome of that race. Yeah, you'd have been fighting Nate. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, I'm I mean, fine. Just... Next year, I had Hamlin win the race, and I was there. So I'll damn. I'll take anything I lost that year for 2019. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That was a bit a big controversy. Um, I know I was I was furious with with Austin after that race because I was like, "Are you kidding me?" He just I took think the, the damage made it worse. Did. Like that that yeah. kind of just rubbed the salt in everyone's wounds. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I will defend my driver. I think he made the moves necessary to win the Daytona 500, and. I would hope he would do it again, given the same circumstance. This last race, he had the chance to be a little dirty to Almirola again, and he did not. So there you go, Almirola. I'm in your boat. I dumped someone to win the Daytona 500 too. Right? It's not like he dumped him. Like, hey, I'm just glad he I was really there. He didn't. He went <laughs> he for a block. And that was it, right? He, he went for a block. It was a little late, but he did just go for a block. Almirola, if he didn't want to wreck, could have. You know, let off a he little could, bit. Yeah, but he just yielded. But, right. Yeah. I mean, neither one the, wanted to. 
Exactly. Exactly. Almirola did what he thought he had to do to try to get the win. I mean, I don't blame anybody, but yeah, I mean, my driver well. won. Yeah. So, right. Yeah. yeah I'm just I mean, glad I was there for it all. Like, yeah. Easy for me to say. Put, putting some distance with time on there. It, uh, it, it definitely says, oh, yeah. Well, I do the same thing. I think, I don't remember if it was Rusty Wallace or uh, Tony Stewart, but one of them said uh, they wrecked their grandma to win that race. So, sounds um, like something Tony Stewart would say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so definitely, um, I think that would that would be something that would happen if I was in Austin's shoes as well. Um, we saw that basically happen this year's Daytona 500 as well, um, with with all the pushing going on between the two 22 and and, and um, McDowell. So, I mean, hey, Great American Race, you only get to win it once if you're lucky. Um, exactly. And then if you're if you're uh, if you're Denny Hamlin, you win it multiple times. But we'll uh, we'll, yeah. we'll gloss over that. Uh, don't want to gloat too much. Um, so moving on, um, we do want to go into some kind of controversy here. Uh, we do on this podcast, woke or joke. Um, it's kind of like spot on, spot off. Uh, you'll say woke if, if you think it's a good thing, joke if you if you don't think it's a good thing, and then we'll get in um, get into um, just everything with it. Um, so for this weekend's racing at New Hampshire, I got a, a couple here. I'm going to go with you first, Matt, and then Colton and Nathan and then myself, and we'll kind of just go around our little uh, four-screen square here. Um, so, Woker Joke with the 54 car from Joe Gibbs having seven wins as a star car, if you don't count Ty Gibbs as a, kind of an underdog win. Is that good for the series to have – Cup guys coming in and dominating in this one car. Um, yeah, that's a tough one. Uh, woke. I'll go woke. All right. Anything to add? Oh, okay. Sorry, I thought yeah. we went around. Um, yeah. I mean, I just think competition's fine. I know. I. I mean, I understand both sides of the argument. So. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know. I don't know where I stand on this, to be quite honest. I haven't really thought about it too much. Um, I'm going to go woke. Um, All I right, really never mind. Like... I go joke. Joke. What? I'm up. I'm up. <laughs> I'm going to go woke. Um, I like the cup guys going around and, uh, you know, kind of beating up on these younger drivers for a minute. Um, I think it's good. I mean, you look at the rookie classes that came out in the mid-2000s, the Denny Hamlins, the Clint Boyers. Um, things like that. Even back in you know when Dale Earnhardt was racing, a lot of really good rookies took that as a as a challenge. Um, and you know, I mean, we saw it last year with Chase Briscoe. He flat out beat Kyle Busch at Darlington, um, earned himself a Cup ride. He hasn't shown it quite yet, but rookies rarely ever do. Um, I think it's really good for them to get that experience racing with a Cup guy. Um, whether it be, I mean, obviously we're not going to see Kyle Busch anymore, but we see it with Christopher Bell, Martin Truex. Um, guys like that i think it, i think it's pretty woke again i understand both sides of it but i'm gonna go woke yeah i think i'm gonna add on to that i would say woke too like i get the other side of it but i think most of it is just due to the car being so good that they can just hop in and win you know it's not some mediocre car it's a jgr 54 and it almost reminds me of when ganassi had their 42 back in i think what was it 2018 chastain gets any wins nemechek gets any wins larson gets any wins it's just that's what happens when you put in great drivers and great cars. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I'm going to agree with the sentiment, but I'm going to have to go joke just based on uh, 
this was a golden era thing uh, for the Bush series at the time uh, and the nationwide series. We had the, the cup drivers in, but they can't run for points anymore. They can't run more than five races. So I think just having work, worked whittled down now, we don't have one of these star cars with with even junior motorsports anymore. We don't have one with RCR. We don't have one with Penske anymore. I think only right. having one star car with the 54 car is terrible for the series. So if we don't force the cup guys in other cars for like the RCR Xfinity team, the JG, uh, the junior motorsports team, the Penske team, I, I think it's just worthless because you don't have any competition within those experience levels. So for me, it's a joke because we only have the one car. So if y'all don't want to rebuttal, we'll move on. I, no, I think that's good perspective. I think we get to see both sides of it. And I could, I could entertain both sides. You know, I could agree with either one. Left yeah, side of the right. screen sucks. What'd you say? Left <laughs> side of the screen sucks. Oh, okay. I guess I'll take it. Um, you suck. All right. So, <laughs> well, this one, um, PJ1 has been a controversy uh, since basically they started using it at Bristol a couple years ago. But uh, this weekend, they were going to use PJ1. Uh, then they decided they can't use it with the modified, so they're not going to use it on Saturday. We're going to apply it on Sunday. And then late Friday afternoon, they said they're not going to apply it because there were supposed to be showers Saturday night and Sunday morning. So the lateness of that call, no PJ1. Was that a woke or joke for NASCAR? Um, I'm going to go woke simply, and, and I'll answer this by asking everyone a question. Uh, when's okay. the last time New Hampshire was the best race we've seen halfway through the season? You know, never. Probably never. Is the only <laughs> answer. Yeah. And so I don't care if the teams didn't know about it last second. That was the best race in probably we've had all season. So whatever makes the best racing, I support. And I don't care if your team didn't know about it. I mean, hell, Eric Amarola won it because of this random thing they threw out. Yeah. I think it was great. 100% support it. Um, I'm on the fence here. Uh, I want to go joke immediately just because the teams have already had their setup set. Um, we probably would have seen a different winner had they applied the PJ1. And New Hampshire is one of the, if not the only track where the PJ1 actually works. Um, and it doesn't right. single out the track. Um I, I am going to go woke just because it did throw a different winner in there. It made teams kind of scramble and figure out how to set up the cars right. Um, we saw a whole lot of strategies, a whole lot of adjustments being made all race. Um, and, I mean, to Rattlesnake's point, that was, that was a pretty damn good race. So, I mean, I'm on, I'm on the fence. I see both sides there. Yeah, I'm going to go woke. I think that it did change up the complexion of the race a lot. You know, it's kind of like whenever there's a race to halfway, sometimes you'll see things change around. Everything gets flipped on its head and – I, I will say this, though. I think Eric Amarola did get that race on merit because if you look at his stats in the last couple New Hampshire races, he's he's been pretty silently yep. in contention to win the races. So I think it definitely helped him, but I don't think that he wouldn't have had a chance if the PDO one was there. Yeah, I, I know a lot of fans say this is one of, if not the only, racetrack that the PJ one actually helps. But for me, I have to go um, – I'm gonna have to go joke on the decision, but woke on the on the fact that there was no PJ one on Sunday. So I hate that the teams didn't have time to to 
you know, put a new setup in, do do all that stuff because their their cars were in the haulers, whether they had arrived at the track or not. We don't know um, exactly when they got there. Um, but for me, New Hampshire's always been a driver's racetrack. I've always respected it. I missed that that second date because even though they tend to have been boring races by most people's standards, they always produce the best race car drivers to win the race rather than just the cars. So I think we saw that yesterday get a little bit shaken up because of the decision. Or I guess Sunday, Thursday. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I can see that. I mean, to your point, mm -hmm. Almirola was always good there. Um, The fact that there was no PJ one just allowed him to be that much better because he, he does know the track very well. And we even saw guys that, um, excuse me, silently do good, like the Matt DiBenedetto's, um, you know, like those kind of guys, the Tyler Reddicks that can really wheel a car. We saw them all do really good um, just because there was no extra grip. And can we all be on the side of no PJ1 anywhere forever? Right. I think, yeah, yeah I think I to a degree. That. I think hopefully, hopefully, I don't want to get too optimistic about this, but I'm saying that if the new car can put on a better product, then maybe we don't have to rely on the PJ1 every single place we go. PJ1, yeah, I, I don't know. I, for me, that's a totally different conversation. Um, right. Makes actually, sense. something that Rattlesnake said earlier um, is one of the things that he would fix because uh, we didn't have enough time was, was was the car itself. So if we do that, if we fix the car, we don't need PJ1. There's no reason to even put any additives on the track. Uh, in my opinion, um, the only place that I think it really worked was Nashville because that surface hadn't been raced on. Um, for so long and that rosin or whatever they put on the baseball bats that they put on the track it it, it worked because it helped it rubber up i don't i don't think it's necessary anywhere else um, right i, I guess necessary next year when we go to nashville um mm. but but thank moving you. on losers thank you dakota yeah uh moving on to sunday we had quite an eventful start to the race uh, before we even got into the, the good stuff, um, just missed all day. Weepers are coming in, um, and then we go racing, and not even, what, I think it was lap eight that we had that first caution. So um, I guess this is kind of an interesting one to, 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 to put in a question for him, but Woker joke on the wreck that happened with – the 18 and 19 uh, due to the rain. Um, and, and you can take that and interpret it any way you want. I mean, I don't know if there's any other answer other than joke. I mean, this right. is just a bad decision by NASCAR. They've proven all season that they're really good at making bad decisions in terms of weather. And this just uh, exemplified that, I think, to a T because – they keep saying like, well, these are, you know, learning decisions and, you know, we'll grow from this, but it's like, we're halfway through the season and y'all are still making terrible decisions. So I don't know <laughs> what they're going to do, but it's just, it's, um, it's almost impressive with how bad their decisions yeah. are when it comes to weather. So a hundred percent joke, absolute joke. Yeah. Um, I agree completely. It's a, it's a joke. Um, I sent out a tweet and I listed off some of the incidents. I didn't lost off, list off all of them. Um, but like the Johnny Sauter wreck at Charlotte, um, where they mm. should have thrown a caution but didn't. Um, the Coda race, where they should have slowed the cars down or thrown a caution but didn't. Um, yes. A whole bunch of BS cautions, like the Brandon Jones kind of half spin saved it immediately, 
they throw a caution for that, right? Um, there's a whole whole list of them that I could go down. Um, it's a complete joke that they didn't call this. The pace car during pace laps was saying, hey, it's raining over here. Hey, the track is super wet. And they gave them immediately one to go, um, you know, kind of thing. I could see on my TV and you know, Cheyenne was sitting there with me. She can attest to this in the comments. I told her three laps before that, hey, it's raining there. You could see it on the cameras. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, it's a complete joke that us, the fans sitting there watching the race knew that it was raining and NASCAR didn't do anything about it. Um, I went back and I watched the IndyCar race, um, the one oh, where the power. with Will Power, he, you know, the, the famous meme, him giving the finger to the officials. Um, and the, the similarities between that race and this are uncanny. It's the same track. It's the same kind of situation. Um, and the same thing happened with they bring the president of the company up and into the booth and said, here, you talk about this for a second. And the IndyCar, I don't know if he's the president, if he was the, the race director, um, but he owned it. He completely said, we have an egg on our face right now. Um, you know, we should have done this. We should have done that. Here's what we're going to do moving forward. We apologize. And what did the Steve do when he went up to the booth? He said, well, right. we made the best decision. We didn't think yada, 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 and play politician. And I think that's really what made more people upset. Rather than the not causing the rain, mm -hmm. it was the whole fact of deflecting all the questions and deflecting the blame. Just like with the Charlotte wreck, just giving excuses for everything instead of saying, hey, we effed up here. So that's more so what I think people got upset about, and that's more so what I'm a joke about rather than the whole the not throwing the caution because we've seen that before. Um, but the not owning it really left a sour taste in my mouth. Yeah, I would agree. I look back at things like um, there was a Homestead race back in 2015, I would say, where there was some car dropping oil all over the track, and they were complaining for lap after lap after lap. And the tower would say, yeah, no, track's clear. And eventually, after probably five or ten minutes of arguing, they finally got a caution out there. And I almost think that it's just dense from an official standpoint to just not it, not even regard what the drivers are saying about the track. Because, you know, they know the conditions of the track. They're out there. I just don't understand, number one, why that would happen. And number two, the deflection afterwards. Because it just, it just makes everything look bad because – we already know the disconnect between the sport and the drivers is pretty bad right now. Yeah. Uh, those are all good points. Uh, for me, I'm going to go not, not only is this a joke from the standpoint of, you know, what happened. Um, we lost two good race cars that might've a stuck up the show. So, you know, or, or B made a even better race than what we had. Um, but when it comes to this, to me, I think it's ironic because they tested the um, the moist, damp track tires at moist. at uh, at um, uh, Martinsville. Martinsville at Martinsville earlier, um, and they thought it was a good test, but they didn't put into production the tires. They said they could be ready for New Hampshire. They didn't get them ready. I feel like this would have been the perfect situation oh, yeah. to see if damp tire racing worked so i think it was a huge huge missed opportunity for them not to push good year to make tires for this weekend and and you know we wouldn't have lost two race cars because of that uh like, despite like the, the stupid decision i like your pun of missed opportunity yeah yeah like where's the intermediate tires yeah i i, I mean I mean, that's where I'm at with it. I mean, I don't trust NASCAR to make the right decision in most cases. So, it, I mean, it was inevitable that somebody was going to back into the fence 
Um, the fact that it was the leaders probably made some people happy because they were Toyotas. So, I mean, that's where I'm at with it. If we'd have had damp tires on, maybe we could have raced through that whole session because, you know, that rain shower, I don't know if it got damp enough or I get, I guess, wet enough um, to, to bring out a red flag if those tires were as good as they wanted to be. <clears throat> yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, following that incident, um, you know, the 18 was trashed. You heard Kyle's comments on pit road, but prior to that, he, um, he roughed up the pace car a little bit. So <laughs> NASCAR actually decided not to find him. So I guess they know that they're in the wrong here, but just the fact that he hit the pace car, um, the worker joke. Um, probably not a popular decision, but joke. Honestly, okay. yeah. What? Yeah. Oh, we're gonna. There's gonna be some debate in this one. Joke. We're fighting now. Yeah. Hundred percent joke. That's not how you handle it. That's not how you don't hit the back of the pace car. You should never do that. I think that's except like everyone knows. Don't run into the pace car. And also, if he I, didn't do that, he just got angry <laughs> and did it. Like that's a hundred percent what happened. We, we can't pretend right, like he was like, this that. is going to prove the best. You know, No, he just got angry and did it. He was hot-headed. I thought it was a bad move. Uh, it made – because it kind of also makes him look bad. Like he was just acting out of anger. What he should have done is just after the race um, made a much more bold statement. Well, he couldn't do that because of his actions. He was kind of boxed in. Yeah, he didn't okay. get fined, but he also couldn't speak out more about it, which is I think would have been way more powerful – and just like acting like an idiot and running to the back of the pace car. No, you're wrong, and here's why. Here's a list of reasons why. Okay, it's going to be good. He he alluded in his interview. He can't say NASCAR has been very clear about this to the drivers. You can't say stuff to the public, otherwise you will get fined. Yeah, you can't speak out against them. But what can he do? That's he can BS. Yes, you he can. can Bullshit. Denny Hamlin, Brad Kislowski, Kyle Larson, the list goes on in the past. I mean, month. those guys have talked about have spoken out against NASCAR. But they don't go out in their interview and However, say hey, NASCAR if right. they're not doing it on broadcast. Right. Yeah, they are. They'll be interviewed, post race interviews, pre race interviews, and people ask them about who's, like how they watch the post and pre race interviews. I don't watch them, and I'm a diehard fan. You, you know what interview I interviews? Kyle Bush, right after amazing, he crashes after NASCAR didn't throw a caution. You know how you get NASCAR's attention? You hit the damn pace car. Dale Earnhardt did it. Martin Truex did it. Kyle Busch has done it before. Tony Stewart did it. What good is going to come of that? Cole Trickle didn't do it. Attention is going to come of that. That's that's what he was going for. He's not going for, hey, I'm going to wreck whoever's driving the pace car, Brett Bodine, whoever it is nowadays. He's he's not after them. He's going for NASCAR, right? And what he was trying to do, and I I believe this with 100% intent, was cut that left rear down with the pace car. He's trying to bend that fender in, get him a tire rub, blow that tire out. And he hit him pretty good. Um, he wasn't – if he wanted to wreck the pace car, he would have trashed the pace car. If Ron Hornet yeah. is in the pace he car, he would have it in the wall, right? Right. Um, 100% woke because that's how you get the attention. That's how you voice your displeasure, um, especially in this scenario. I'm not saying do it every week, every time you're mad at NASCAR. But in this situation, NASCAR was solely to blame for him wrecking his car. Um, NASCAR was solely to blame for this entire decision. Um, you go touch their pace car, you give them a bill, right? You don't just speak out against them. You give them something they got to pay for, right? Yeah, because I'm sure that really hurt the – I'm sure NASCAR is having to write that check going, man, I wish Kyle wouldn't have done this. If we would have called it, we wouldn't have had to pay this, you know, $1,000. Alex's point, 
they understood they messed up because they didn't find him. They didn't penalize him. Yeah, um, I think he could have spoken up and it would have been more powerful. Nope. I, I would disagree completely. This is one of our group chat banters that we're going to have right now. You're wrong. Yeah. I'm right. <laughs> no, no. I don't know, Nathan, do you, you have anything to settle this? Um, yeah, I think I'm going to go woke on the decision. I, I do agree that, yes, it was hot-headed, um, but it was justifiable hot-headedness. You know, his race was straight up destroyed by that decision. So, you know, I don't – I normally – I probably wouldn't be the guy to go out there and do that, but I do understand at the same time why he did it. So it was almost in a sense – I'm not I'm not going to do that myself, but I do understand the – logic and everything behind it because it was to some extent justified yeah so uh rattlesnake you you make a very very convincing argument but uh i'm sorry i'm not gonna jump ship i'm not i'm not coming with you on this one um it is it is um you know as as colton just said all my homies agree with kfb um yeah um okay so i can break this down into two things what you said about him um, talking to the media would have been more powerful. Uh, I can say that Colton's probably right that he would have got fined because I, I feel like those guys that you listed off aren't saying that except for when they're talking to Bob Pockris or, you know, Matt Weaver after the race. How would he have gotten conference. fined for saying something if he didn't get fined for causing – actual damage to one of their cars. I mean, Hamlin's talked well, about secret fines before. Like, I don't, yeah, I don't know. If he's not going to get fined for hitting a pace car, he's not going to get fined for saying something it, negative about them not. Yeah, you know, no, because this is where I agree with you. I think it would have been more powerful if he had said something. He would have gotten fined. But they they kind of – I agree with that sentiment. But in, in, in that – what he did is you trashed my car, I'm going to trash yours. So that that's all I feel. It's I, not the I, same, I, uh, I think. And also, why not just bring your car down then and just, you know, take it back and say I'm not racing in this race if they're not gonna, you know, be able to make, you know, safe calls. That's a better just well, protest. I think that well, would be he would have to do that in two weeks when it had and blown all the way over. Is Kyle Busch was angry. He's hot headed. He made a decision, and now we're all trying to justify it after the fact. The fact is, if he actually would have thought about it, I think there was much better decisions to make than running in the back of the pace car. Okay, well, he had two unbleeped cuss words on on screen. Um, you know, we're, 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 what can we do with this shit? It's not going to fucking run. Is what he said. And then once he got onto the interview, he said. We're trash. We can't do this. And then he said, I can't call out what I want to say because I'm going to get in trouble. So so to me, he did what he thought he could in in, in the, I guess, heat of the moment. Um, I, I don't know. If you trash my car and I know it's a decision that, that a race director call should have made, knowing that they asked the pace car for weather advice, I think it's a, a, a truly justifiable action because you trash my camera, I'm going to trash yours. I don't know. Two things. One is it doesn't necessarily have to come as a fine. DBC alluded to this a couple weeks ago where they said, if you speak out against NASCAR, guess what's going to happen? You're going to get a speeding penalty on pit road the next week, maybe two or three of them. Um, Cause NASCAR. Doesn't never, have yeah, that's a very decent point. You know, they have a lot of things in their hands they can control. Right. They can say, Hey, Speed limit's 50, you are 50.1 in this section. And they can go, hey, you failed pre-race. They can yeah, yeah. They can they'll find other ways to hurt you rather than just coming out in the public and saying, hey, we're finding him twenty five thousand dollars for this. And that's what they've done in the past. Again, DBC, Freddie Griffin or uh, 
Freddie Griffin. Brett Griffin and Freddie Kraft have alluded to this, and they've said, hey, guess what's coming next next week? You know, post the 11, post the two, right? Speeding on pit road. Um, the other thing is I think him saying I can't say this on air or I'll get fined or I'll get in trouble by NASCAR spoke a hell of a lot more than him actually going out. Right. That's mind. what I was kind of I thinking. I think that said a ton more rather than him coming out and said, F NASCAR, F this, F that. Okay, so so what you're saying is hitting the pace car was more powerful than if he had made a statement that he would have been fined for, right? Like hitting the pace yes. car caused more. Okay, so then why would they punish him? Okay, they then why would they, why would they punish him for saying something if it is less effective than not fine him for hitting the pace car? Because NASCAR is a, NASCAR's a PR company. They're it's all about their image. They're all about people supporting NASCAR rather than people supporting KFB. Yeah, but if so, it causes more attention, then they should serve a harsher punishment so other drivers don't want to do that in the future. What's I, mean, hey, I might get a so, penalty next week. NASCAR knows they Maybe, effed up here. yeah. I mean, if he does nope. do that, then sure. But NASCAR knows they effed up here. If they find him, that's just putting a bigger egg in their face. That's turning more of the PR against and him. And I say the same thing would have happened if he would have spoke out. Mark mark my words, Kyle Busch is going to get a speeding penalty next week. Yeah, he might, but he could have also Will. spoke out. Uh, he won't because we're still on vacation for the Olympics. He will, or not next week. Uh, next all right, week. Alex, way to be well, technical. He actually might. Thank all you. Right. Yeah, yeah. In a golf cart. All right, but here, here's the thing. You guys are kind of shooting down the same similar path, I think, with your arm arguments um you're saying you're both saying that it's more powerful to do x well i think because there were no words said he could get his message across to us the diehard fans and then nascar it's more of a a deep cut rather than just going blowing and popping his thing off because if they find him because he said bleepity bleep bleep nascar bleep what does that do um, that right. promotes no thought. That's NASCAR being like, okay, this guy's just a hothead. Piss off. It, it was more of it a. It makes you think when someone says, right. like, hey, I can do this or else. All right, check this out. Rather than words. Check this out. Um, my father, who you know used to watch NASCAR, doesn't anymore, like most dads. Um, you know, he knows that he doesn't like Kyle Busch. Like a lot of people, they don't like Kyle Busch. He saw just the like replay, right? It was going around of Kyle Busch hitting the back of the pace car. And he saw that, and immediately, like, when I was talking to him, he was like, yeah, you know, what an asshole. Like, such a Kyle Busch move, right? He's angry, and he's going to hit the pace car. That's what most people are seeing. If he would have protested the race, let's say, and Cole, yes, that is what I'm promised. That is what most casual people that don't keep up with NASCAR, that's what they see. They see hot-headed Kyle Busch get angry and hit the back of the pace car. If he would have maybe protested and said, I'm not racing in this anymore, I'm done, and then spoke out and been like, I'm not going to put my car and my team in a situation where we waste our time, our money, and it's unsafe. I think that would have been much more powerful. Nope. Well, I mean, he kind of did that because he said we can't fix it, and they, they just went behind the wall. Right, I mean, and I think race sponsorship teams. too. Like if he sits out of a race, there goes a sponsor. There goes a lot of Kyle Busch things. Sponsors. Let's be real. I mean, One he race. almost lost Mars after the Hornaday thing. So you never because, maybe maybe, because, but. I, I still think the only thing people focused on was him hitting the back of that pace car and the casual fan. That's all they see. And they know Kyle Busch is a hothead and it just looks like he's just being an asshole. Like he always is. But then if you look at him in the post race, if they listen to his comments, they would just say, Oh, Kyle's a crybaby," Like always, you know, they would write that off. So everything that he says, whether it's intellectual or not, just gets written off as, Oh, Kyle Busch is a whiner. Yeah. I think think you bring up, 
I think you bring up a good point, right? You can cherry pick that situation. If someone doesn't see the interview after they get on pit road for the red flag, which is the context needed to know what's happened, if they don't see the wreck and they don't see, you know, the four or five other drivers that are doing interviews there saying, you know, what like what Ryan Blaney said. He said we've got to call ourselves when we make a mistake. If you don't see the context there, I can see what you're saying where a casual fan might say, oh, that's just Kyle Busch being a dick. But also, um, to the same regard, that serves people well who do like Kyle Busch and may not have not watched it. Yeah, that's my driver. Pushing yeah. it back against the man. If you're a Kyle Busch fan, so, yeah, you love this, 100%, no doubt. Super. I mean, that's who he is. Nope. That's you know, that's what you want to see out of Kyle Busch. I get that. If it if it's anyone other than Kyle Busch hitting the pace car, how do you think people are going to react? Because people are going to, to your point, people are going to see that and say that's just Kyle being a crybaby. Right, right, probably better. If that's Truex hitting the pace car, if that's Chase Elliott, Denny Hamlin, yeah, if it was, it's going to raise a lot. It's going to perk ears up. Right. I, I would mm-hmm. say that would be more effective. The fact that it's Kyle Bush is not as effective because the only and, thing ESPN is going to play is just him hitting the pace car. They're not going to say why or anything else. It's just that clip, that highlight. And it looks like Kyle Bush is so, just being a private. So you agree that it brought more attention to the fact? Um, no, I still think. I no, still well, think hey, 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 you can't do that. You just said. Anyway. Right. No, I, all I said was I think it would be taken a little bit more seriously than Kyle Busch, but I never said that I think it would be more effective than just voicing your concerns. And to your point again, if he had just voiced his concerns or sat out a race, what are people going to say? What's your dad going to say? Oh, I think, Kyle being a crybaby, right? He just has to present it like an adult. He has How to many, talk to people and say they've are made Are people going to take him serious even if he presents as, as an adult? Well, no, I think they would take that, it more seriously. That's Kyle. You know, I disagree. I think they would take it more seriously. Nope, nope, if you nope. speak you to people like an adult fan base, you do not know the amount of FKB shirts that are out in the, the stands. Oh, yeah. They, the they will race. literally write off anything. I don't know. You're going to tell me what's in the grandstands? You've been say, to one race in your life and tell bro, me what's at, in the grandstands? Bro, Dave Moody, look at what he said in 2019. Kyle Busch at Dover said that he didn't like this package, the 550 package, being run at mile and a half. And Dave Moody literally writes him off and says, "Oh, that's Kyle. He only likes it because he it's didn't Dave win." Moody, though, to be fair. Right, and and yeah, I think uh, a lot of fans have that same mindset, so they would just write off anything he says. I think there's you know? some fans like that, but if he's saying something that a majority of the NASCAR fan base agrees with, uh, I, I would I would say people will come around to listen to him if at least it's the tough, NASCAR man. community l- likes it. Dave Moody ain't nobody listening to him. Let's be real, right? Like I yeah, think well, the thing is, it's people have to decide either agree with their least favorite driver or, you know, or just not agree with him and have to suck it up. So it's like it, it puts some of the fans that don't like him or in like a no-win situation. Kyle Bush, yeah, Kyle Bush is the toughest one to work with because he definitely has yeah. the most haters, like, overall. So mm-hmm. Yeah, well, here's the thing with Kyle Bush when it comes to that. Yes, he's polarizing. Yes, there's a polarizing fan base because of him. But when it comes to Kyle Bush, you go way back to the – the COT win that he had at Atlanta. He got out of that car and said, it it sucks. It sucks to drive. He has always been a critic. So even if you just take a little bit out and you look at the context, I think most fans are going to just agree with what he's saying Um, because of the recent, you know, press that we've had. And they know that Kyle Busch is not afraid to call bullshit on NASCAR. And that's what he did this weekend, even though, like you said, maybe it was a little bit of a hot-headed move. Um, yeah, and, and I think agree that, that he's right. It's just we, we disagree on how he went uh, about it. I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I I think 
that's probably the biggest thing that people should be looking at. But I will agree, probably people aren't looking at it the way that, that we're looking at it because they didn't see the context. And you mentioned ESPN. ESPN is trash. Okay. Right. As soon as they drive NASCAR NASCAR anymore. Well, they, they do show NASCAR, but you know what they've shown about NASCAR in the last few months and the last couple of years? They showed the Bubba Wallace incident. Right. Yeah, they would show something That's like it. this just to get clicks. They'll they say go we're anywhere. racist and no one shows up anymore. Those are the only two right. things NASA they will say about right. And yeah. and that's all I have to say about ESPN. They don't care about the sport. They've shown that to us, and they're going to put us in a bad light when they want to because they have F1 now, and they're all prestigious. Now, True. they don't understand that pitting motorsports fans against each other is the dumbest thing that anyone could do, but that's, yeah, just, that's exactly. where I'm at with ESPN. Like you can't uh, just with, let everyone feed each other to the wolves. Yeah, I, I mean – you know, and but they're going to be the reason that people just see the hitting the pace car incident, like Rattles think is saying. Um, I get where you're coming from. Still think it was fine uh, for Kyle to do. He did what you know, Chief said to do. Go hit the pace car. You hit everything else out there. Um, you know, I know it's not Harry Hyde, but whatever. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, I don't really care that much. I just like arguing with Colton. Um, so that's okay. I don't really right. care well, that much. I just think he could have handled it better. All right. Well, we will move on to our last worker joke of the of the day. So um, mad. Uh, so I, I mad. think that we're all going to be pretty mad with what I'm about to say. I think we're all going to be on the um, the same side here. But uh, NASCAR comes over the radio at the end of stage two, and they say that we will tell you when we go ten to go uh, because the light is getting dark. Um, now, you know, you look at your weather app, you can see when the sun sets, you can see when it's going to be total darkness. So just, just to preface where I know I'm going to go with this, um, that's the setup. Uh, they had nine race laps to go um, at the checkered flag. They called 10 to go with 19 to go. Um, with the darkness being a factor, um, is that a worker joke decision? Man, that's a tough one, honestly. Because um, they did they, – that whole race, they were making bad calls. So maybe they're trying to be a little bit safer because they're like, yeah, we messed up. We can't put it in another situation where if it gets dark and they lose visibility. But also, I mean, yeah, I mean, let them finish, right? <laughs> because they're so close. But then you think back to Coda, right? They waited until Chase Elliott was in the lead, and then they called it. They're like, we're good. We're done. Um, you can't say it about this one because they're – NASCAR is not trying to help out Almarola. I mean, that's a tough one because it's hindsight. I'm not sure. You think, Colton, you think NASCAR is trying to help Almarola get a win? Uh, you finish your point. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, it's a tough one. I, I want to immediately say let them finish the race, but if if they did, I don't know. What if visibility is a problem? And then there's a really bad wreck, and then NASCAR gets called on that again in the same race. Um, that's a really tough one. Honestly, I don't think it's as black and white as as uh, it should be. So you're going woke or joke? How about how about y'all give me your opinions and then I'll see what I can come up with. Okay. Oh, you're gonna break the system. That's fine. Uh, All right. Okay. I'm gonna go joke. There's a couple reasons why. First off, um, if y'all listen to DBC, I'm a religious listener of DBC. Right. Yeah. Love that podcast. I love Freddie Kraft. I love TJ Majors, Brett Griffin. Um, I like their point of you see when the sunset is. You could see 8.21 p.m. is when sunset is, right, over That's in true. New Hampshire. Yep. Um, say at 8 o'clock, regardless of where we're at, 
we're going to call 10 to go. Or if we have a caution between now and then, right, we're going to call a green-white checkered after eight, right? Um, I think that's a, a great way of looking at it. And give them a time. That gives the crew chiefs um, a, a strategy to plan around. Um, you can kind of guess how many laps you're going to do in between now and then. Um, I think that was a lot better than just the randomly, hey, we're going to do 10 to go. To your call, they made bad calls all race. They wanted to justify it. They made bad calls all race and then made another bad call. All right. We had Christopher Bell running down Eric Amarola. Um, what's that extra nine laps? Four minutes, four and a half minutes in New Hampshire. Um, you really going to tell me it's going to get too dark in four and a half minutes for them to not race? They raced in dark at Kansas and Martinsville before. Um, and we didn't see any bad wrecks out of that. Not to say, I mean, New Hampshire's killed people before. So I'm, I'm all about driver safety. But I think the time would have been a lot better rather than just the random 10 to go. All right. I'm, I'm leaning towards, you know, I'm leaning towards about, Colton because of the time thing. I like that point. I, I like that. That's what I was going to add on to. I think. I'm about to blow your point in the water because NASCAR helped out Chase Elliott. Of course, NASCAR wants to help out Eric Amarola. Christopher Bell was chasing him. Christopher Bell already has a win. What's going to be more publicity and more talk for NASCAR? The next winner, right? The more winners they have in the playoffs, the more they have to talk about. It's Eric Amarola. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's, it's still, I mean, a 27th place guy in points winning is a huge deal. Bingo. Like that's, that's, a huge that's, literally, okay. that's exactly what they're going for with the playoffs. Yeah. They want the right. most chaos you yep. can get. And I do want to say this. Right? Yeah, so it add might on. just be Eric Amarola, but guess what? It's Smithfield, too. Smithfield yep. puts money into the sport, so they want to they want to they want to put them in the limelight. That's more Go like ahead, Nathan. Yeah, um, I guess I'm going to have to say joke on this because I think Hamlin himself actually liked it and retweeted a tweet saying that you know what difference is you know four minutes time going to make visibility wise. I think it was almost. I, I hate to say this, but I would not be surprised if this was something that they were trying to build the intensity because I think if there were nine more laps there's a good chance that Bell does get there. But I think them immediately going there kind of made people really uncertain. Like, is he going to catch him or not? Like, it took a lot of the certainty out of that race. And I think it's almost like a TV thing where it's like you just – you turn it up to 11. It's like, all right, here's your drama. Is he going to get there or not? Like, you drastically shorten the time that he has right. to run him down. Yeah, I think I'm on the same boat there. Um, it was disappointing, the decision, because of that, just because, you know, I want to watch a, a, a race. Um, I'm going to say joke because you have a set distance, and I like I like Colton saying, you know, if it, if it reaches, you know, 804, 809, whatever, right. you know, we're going to call it white flag that lap. You know, we've seen that mm -hmm. done in, in other stuff and um, other stuff that's happened. I mean – the fact that that we see this really pisses me off because, in my opinion, I look at stuff, you know, we see hodunk, podunk, whatever, middle of the fucking woods racetracks that have little sticks with candles on them for lights and short track racing. I mean, I've been to some really, 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 really shitty racetracks and seen them race till two in the morning. With, with little to no lighting. What's nine laps? What is nine laps? And, and you know, you know what? They robbed me of that finish. They robbed some strategy play out of there. And, and um, as we've alluded to, um, yep. Basham's 45 says upsets bring more attention. I'm going to have to say, I agree with that sentiment. Right. Um, I think uh, this is conspiracy theory, 
But uh, NASCAR, NASCAR didn't blow it in their minds. They did exactly what they wanted. Oh, I right. love Because of what we're going to talk about. This next. is my thing, but, right? This is my thing. Like, I would say for sure that they want the drama. Um, the playoffs were solely created with that in mind. And you look at Eric Almirola winning. He was 28th in points. The guy who's leading the points is winless. And what bigger drama would there be if there's a yeah, couple that's of winners? true. Eric Amarola and, with his two fans, they definitely right, want but, those guys watching. But, and one but, of them watching. No, they want drama. They don't want fans. They want drama. And look at but it. Here's, Eric but here's, winning Daytona makes, makes it that much more of a okay. game seven moment for them. Okay, no. First of all, nine. if they had nine more laps, um, what you just said, he might have caught up to Amarola in that time. He probably would have. That would be a much more exciting finish. Right, but they're playing not? the long game with this. Playing the long I game. Yeah. That would have been a much that would have been a much more exciting top. finish is if he would they have want, caught them and then they had to battle for they the want, They want they want Denny Hamlin to have to they want the drama saying is the points leader gonna make the playoffs or not? They want the most right. ridiculous, crazy moment that you could possibly think of. And just they feed off that drama. I just think what you're giving NASCAR drama way too much credit for a last second decision like that. I don't think they're that <laughs> smart. Um they're uh, smart with the things they want to be smart with. I think they're smart at planning things out, but a last-second decision? I mean, I think, honestly, they just knew that they messed up earlier, and they were like, let's try to be as safe as possible. But I do 100% agree with what Colton had to say, that you could just look at the time. But once again, I just think they're all really dumb, and I'm smarter than all of them, and I don't <laughs> think they thought about it. Right, but That's I do my think... honest opinion. I, I think I don't want to give NASCAR too much credit here. They make some of the right. worst decisions. They're poor decisions. I will agree. I think yeah. I think the race would have been way more exciting if they let it run out. Absolutely, Wait, absolutely. Right. So why not let it? Run? I mean, that would have been badass. Okay, so you've got other talking points if you come in. All right, you've got the twenty car getting another win. And Denny Hamlin still hasn't, right? So there's your first talking point. Seabell won on Saturday. So you've got a, a sweep. There's another talking point. And then also the fact that he ran Aramorola down and made a hell of a last lap pass or something like that. That's a third talking point. I think it serves it serves in the moment better, but I do feel right. like the point is that the long game that just bumped out one of the RCR cars. Right, yeah, so now you got two teammates battling. Nobody cares about the RCR cars, and nobody cares about Amarola. I just don't think the storyline's that great, honestly. Either way, nobody yeah, cares about the RCR cars. Bumps Hamlin out of the playoffs eventually, then it's big. Yeah, I'm an Austin Dillon fan, but go to a race and find a number three and ask if they're an Austin Dillon fan or just wearing that because it's Dale Earnhardt. Let's be honest. Yeah, Ty well, Tyler I Reddick, mean, I people. See your point. <laughs> Tyler Reddick, well, I mean, you'll see some eight stuff. Eric Amarola, I mean, come on. Right, but like, the thing is, my mindset, I don't think it's for popularity for Eric Amarola. It's for the it's for the ramifications of say one more winner might be the difference between Kevin Harvick and Danny Hamlin missing the playoffs. That yeah, could be, possibly, that could be has, a quote unquote game seven moment. And I think NASCAR, as dumb as they are, sometimes they are not completely bumbling for no reason. Like sometimes they have a little bit of a little bit of motivation behind these decisions yep put on the tinfoil hat is one of them. that's a tv talking right that's, oh, that's, no, that's i fully believe that like championships are fixed playoffs are fixed i 100 believe that stuff but i think that stuff's planned out in advance i just don't know if they're that quick to have like this conspiracy thought where they're like wait who's gonna win what's a better no, decision i know i think agree. I, just, I don't think it's real. I, don't think, they do I think they see christopher bell charging they see darkness is coming here soon 
Let's like, cut a little bit of the race off. Make sure we get a different winner in there rather than this. Right. Good and series, I think right? yeah. on the topic of race manipulation, I don't think they can outright rig everything. You know, that's not possible, no, but they, they can ensure they can ensure they can try to reach an outcome that they desire. And they're right. doing everything they can to make sure that that outcome of a different winner happening happens. Possibly. Know? I just don't think Eric Amarola does anything. I don't, so I don't are know. You, are you woke uh, joke? You never answer this joke just because I agree with Colton's point yes. about the times. Just You could have yeah. just been smarter and just – I don't know if I necessarily agree with the last second conspiracy, but Colton's right. Look at what time the sun sets huh. and say we're calling it then. Time stamp this, 123.25. I'm going to keep this forever. Colton's right. Hey, I'm okay. honest with my opinions. Okay, if Colton says gets lucky and happens to say something correct once, oh, I'll go. agree. Like Eric okay. could win this race. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm gonna slow you two down before we get back into that. Let's move on. Um, kind of our we're gonna wrap start wrapping up. We've got a couple more things that I think we do need to to talk about. You guys alluded to uh, just conspiracy, um, having a little bit of change in the points. Um, I said, you know, we've got one RCR car out. Uh, we've got three spots left for non-winners, basically. Um, so we've got four races left. We've got the summer break right now for the Olympics, and then we've got two road courses, a Michigan race, which is not really a wild card at this point, point. Uh, and then the biggest wild card we could with the regular season championship race being at Daytona. So how many new winners do we get in the last four races, and does that bump Denny and Kevin Harvick out? Um, the only possibility of having a new winner that's outside the playoff cutoff line is the Daytona 500. Um, what? I think that's the only real possibility. Back, back yourself up here. What'd you say? The only real possibility of having a new winner that's outside the playoff cutoff line is, uh, Daytona. I said Daytona 500. Yep. Daytona. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I was texting like while I'm talking is Daytona. Um, I mean, I say that in Eric Amarola one, right? I mean, I right. could be wrong here, but it just seems like that's going to be the likely outcome is I don't know if there's going to be much changing other than hopefully a new winner at Daytona. I think we all kind of want to see that at least. Yeah. A little bit of chaos is, is always fun. Um, I actually think Daytona is the, the biggest race that we see a repeat winner. Um, everyone's forgetting that we could still see Hamlin win. We could still see Harvick win, right? We could still get to 16 winners, even with the dudes in points. Um, I think Watkins Glen and the Indy road course are huge variables because we could see a Chase Briscoe win. Um, Matt Benedetto runs super good at road courses. Um, we could see him maybe strategy out and win one. He's been talking about how that team can Hold win. Hold on. Before, before you continue, you're telling me that of the four races we have left – the most likely place that we see a repeat winner is Day Daytona. Yes. I mean, that's just absurd. That well, is just absurd. This is where the fun begins. Michael McDowell. Me? Eric Amarola. Michael McDowell. Michael McDowell winning at, winning at these different tracks uh, is a better chance than uh, nope. just a repeat winner at this. No, so because he runs multiple he winners all, at every single race we have races. left. Nope. That's, he runs super good at all super, super speedway races. And he, he's really good at it, right? We could see a Chase Elliott. He's got road courses, too. 
Yeah, he's really good at road courses too. We could definitely see McDowell win another race. I'm not saying it's yeah, a yeah. I'm not saying it's like right, in my okay. No, I mean it's unlikely. Let's be real. I'm gonna disagree. Um, Maybe the road course, but it's well, unlikely. If I'm a betting man, which I am, I mean the odds of that are gonna be pretty wild. I think that we see 16 winners this season before the playoffs. Nate, while you're arguing your point, I'm gonna pull up Michael McDowell's average. All right, let's go. We'll try this. Um, I do believe that. Yes, it's unlikely, but I would say it's Murphy's Law. Anything that can happen probably will. You know, we saw it with Eric Amarola. I think that Indy Road Course is probably the biggest variable because while I do think that the heavy hitters are going to run well, there's a slim chance that somebody like Chase Briscoe wins that race because he's proven success there. You know, he's finished top five, I think, or six in the last road course race at Road America. Um, Daytona is a big one, too, and I think – the bigger super speedway racers, like Colton said, will they'll find their way up front if they can finish this race. You never know with that. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say you can't predict Daytona, but I think if you're gonna have a different winner, I would say Indy Road Course is the big one on the schedule. I don't see Watkins Glen being different because JGR has just been they've been on another level at Watkins Glen lately, besides Elliott. So maybe not Watkins Glen. Indy Road Course is a definite definite scenario where you could have somebody different win. Daytona's Daytona, so you never know with that. But I think out of all of them, I'd probably say Michigan's the only one where I would feel confident that somebody below the cut line has zero chance of winning. See, I I don't agree with that. I know that the Chevy noses are are different, so maybe we don't see a Chevy dominate that 550 track. But I think a Team Penske car wins at Michigan. I think the only way we get a wild card is – at the Indianapolis road course because Chase Briscoe has a ton more laps on that racetrack because he's the only one that has laps on that racetrack. Um, Watkins Glen is MTJ and Chase Elliott show. And then if Denny gets a win, it's going to be Michigan Daytona. No, Daytona. I think he's, he's really good. He's finished top two the the last Michigan races. And and I think Daytona, he hasn't finished a Coke zero 400 without contact. Last year was like the only time since 2009 where he didn't so, that race. So everyone else here agrees, other than me, that it's more likely that Chase Briscoe wins Indy Road Course than we get a new winner at Daytona. Right. And I think Crazy. I think the likelihood Crazy. of that – but wait, the Blasphemy. only reason I think of that – okay, so you, you've got a, a – what is it, 410-horsepower engine now or something like that, 450 horsepower. NASCAR reduced the horsepower. They reduced the um, – the, the drag with the wicker bill, I think it's gonna it's gonna bring the plate racers to the to the show rather than guys that are are good at, at, at taking runs. So I will stretch I will stretch and say we could get a new runner, but it's gonna be either the eleven, the forty seven because he was good when we had this type Pensky of cars. Of plate package, cars, man, they were the or, best at that package. Or one of the guys that's already got a win. Um, maybe 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 Bubba Wallace gets a win because he's Where? such a good plate racer, but he's got to have stopped having one. I think the Penske cars at Daytona are going to be the favorites because, you know, that but they package, won't win. So, right. But that, that package for Penske, it, it plays into their favor because if you look at the old package where you couldn't get a run, it was always the strong guys with the strongest engines that were up front. And it's always Roush Yates. And you would see Keselowski and Logano just lead every single lap of the races. And it would always be one of them winning. So, I don't see well, a new winner at Daytona. 
I've got some stats here. In the last eight races, McDowell has three top fives. Um, I didn't even look into Denny. I didn't look into Keselowski. Um, anything like that. I think you see a repeat. And to be fair here, I think you're arguing that we don't see a random winner. I'm arguing that we see a new winner. I'm saying that we see the 11 win, right? I'm saying that we see someone new who doesn't have a win this year win that race. I think it's possible. I also think it's possible that we see the 34, the two, the 22 go to victory lane. The 47 is pretty likely. The 23 is up in the air because they do well at super speedways. Um, the 11 is fairly likely as well. Um, I still think we get to 16 winners. I think we see a new winner at the Indy Road course. Um, if I had to put money on it, it's Chase Briscoe. It's the Cole Custers. Uh, guys like that who had a lot of experience racing roads, road courses in the uh, Xfinity Series. Um, I mean, I definitely think it's more possible than not. I mean, I think Daytona speaks for itself. It's the it's the track that's been, I mean, I guess Talladega. Well, who are you saying famous, gets the win? Famous for anyone that can win at Daytona. That's the point. And so – if I get what you're saying that, you know, that that can also include Harvick and Denny, right? I get that. Yeah. And they are they have good shots to win just because they are that good. But there's a whole lot more drivers that haven't won that can win at Daytona because it's Daytona, right? I mean, just looking at this list, Austin Dillon, who has won at Daytona. Um, Bubba Wallace got second at Daytona. Chris Busher has been doing well. I mean, any. What do you no, mean? Chris Busher's a good play yeah. racer, man. Right. He. I mean, they're honestly Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Right. He, I mean, it's Daytona. That's my yeah. point. Is there so much more random drivers on this list that the only chance they have of ever winning is a place like Daytona? I I, I don't know if if what I'm about to say is going to be taken well with anyone, but I don't know that with this new package going into Daytona, if this is not a just a a, a train race snooze test. You know, I don't know that's, that we have all this concern. wild, this Ooh. all this whole wild thing, and we not. see, like Nate says, a Penske car, probably a Ryan Blaney, because that's probably his his best track like when Nate. it comes to when <laughs> when it comes to leading laps. Um, he might actually get one finish there. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Um, that that's my it's, biggest. It's my biggest tough. Thing. You know, I think part of the the reason the last package was so random is because the guy up front was no longer able to control the race. He couldn't stall out a run. With the, if this package is more similar to the the last couple of years before the, the bigger spoiler, then whoever's got the best car and can control the pack is going to win the race. And more often than not, it's the Penske guys because their philosophy is lead every lap. Yeah, but at the end of the day, it's Daytona. I mean, they're going to be close, racing closer than normal. It's harder to pull away. And at the end of the day, there's going to be restarts, especially later, because there are going to be wrecks. It's Daytona. I mean, I just hope that we get a different winner, obviously. That that would make mm -hmm. it so much more exciting. It will suck if it's just kind of a snooze fest and we have like a Penske car win. It'll be a bit of a disappointment. Yeah. yeah well, if it, if it is someone, if it is someone, if I want to pull for anyone, I want I want, I want, want it to be someone like Matt DiBenedetto. Austin Dillon. Um, uh, because, no, fuck Austin Dillon. Austin Dillon, let's go. Okay, so before before we get off here, I do want to say this. I know that you're a big fan of Austin Dillon, but I'm on the camp that he is wasting that seat. So I, I for who? Oh, what? for who? for anyone, man. Name somebody. What Name somebody. Anyone. Anyone. I, I don't know. I mean, look at Tyler Reddick, and I I Tyler think that he's a much not everyone is Tyler Reddick. 
Well, I know. I, I I look at him and I say he's a really good set. I don't. I don't know. I think maybe not Noah Gregson, but someone like him who is younger would be better than Austin Dillon in that. Hundred percent. Look, I'm not Austin like a huge Dillon Austin Dillon fan, but I will say he is a solid driver. Like if, if people never hated Paul Menard for just bringing the car home and. He was more of a, a pay driver than Austin Dillon ever is. Yeah, and, think and about, RCR equipment's trash. Let's be honest. Like they've I think if you want a guy this year, but overall, okay, here's a good example: Ryan Newman when mm-hmm. um, he was the 31 at RCR. Austin Dillon came in uh, and was performing better on average than Newman. In I love Ryan days. Newman, but I think he should have retired after he got out yeah. of 39. But they're both in similar so, in, in RCR. Yeah. I mean, I think Austin right. Dillon is actually a pretty good driver. If you put him a, on like yeah, a good team, solid. I think he would do well. RCR right. sucks. Like they do. That's why I kind of hope the rumors about like, you know, Junior buying him out or something happens is actually right. true because like, they need something on that team. I think Austin I Dillon, I, he's not a world beater, but I think that he is a solid driver. Like he was never going to be a championship driver. driver, but yeah, right. I think he's, yeah. he can win some races. I don't know. I, I feel like someone like an Eric Jones would be a better fit because I mean, I, I get that they're right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I feel sorry for Eric Jones in the situation mm-hmm. he was in. Um, yeah. And now he has to be in the equipment he's in. So that sucks. Um, yeah, but yeah, I just don't know who, what, like, why else? I mean, why anybody else? The, the guy's pretty good at marketing know. himself, I, he can bring in sponsorships, he's a pretty decent driver. Um, yeah, he's never going to be a, a championship driver. I mean, no, right, not, not every driver has to be one, you know? <laughs> right? I just don't see who else you would even put in the three car. I just want people to hate me. That's that's really it. That's all it is. <laughs> I want people to hate me. Um, all right, let's, I don't know. Um, so. Basically, I think we've gotten everything. Um, we did receive a L1 penalty for um, the the 9 and the 48 today because they put the 9's winning engine in the 48. 25-point penalties, uh, I guess, for each car. I'm, I'm kind of confused on that. I don't know if it's just the 48 or if it's both teams. Uh, but do you guys think that this late in the game, that, that does really anything? No. 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 Uh, probably not, no. They're already locked in yeah. the playoffs. What's 25 points Doc going to do? I, I mean, hey, that 25 points uh, lost Dale Jr. to the championship in 2004. So, um, right. But, I mean, it's this, the, with this format, man, like they're, they're just going to reset it anyways in a few weeks. And that's yeah. right. I, I don't know. Um, so, that was pretty much all we had to, to talk about today. Uh, I want to thank uh, Matt Rousnake, Texas. However you want to call him, go watch Chairgating. Um, thank you for coming on. It's been good. Um, did want to give a shout-out to uh, another person who's watching, uh, Dalton Good. Um, uh, his username, DaltonGood18 on Twitter. Uh, he just had a birthday recently, so I wanted to wish him a happy birthday. Happy birthday. Uh, yeah, let's go. Yeah, yeah. so um, I think that was, what, Tuesday? Uh, what was his birthday? I think it was yesterday. Was it yesterday? Uh, What's he, yeah. like 22, 23, something like that? Yeah, he, he's got to be younger than us. Uh, he looks younger than us. So uh, he says thanks. Well, thank you, Dalton, for watching. We really appreciate it. We appreciate everyone who watched tonight and chimed in. I'm going to go ahead and roll it off to Rattlesnake uh, for any plugs you have uh, before we leave. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody check out my podcast if you haven't already. It's very mediocre, um, so please watch it. It's called Irrigating. Yeah, it's um, you know what you do when you can't when you're like Colton and you don't actually attend races, and you yep. have to tailgate gotcha. at home in your chair 
it's made for guys like Colton. Um, yeah, check it out. Uh, my personal Twitter is at RattlesnakeTex. If you want to just get random shit from that, like country music and college football takes, I do that kind of stuff. So, yeah, check out Chairgate. It's um, it's fun sometimes. Sometimes. So, yeah. Uh, only occasionally. Um, I do yeah, want to shout out Davey Fan at NASCAR11 on Twitter. He said, you guys are way better than the NASCAR Weekly Podcast. So, suck it. BFM, we better than you. <laughs> oh God! One day we're gonna get Darian on. Um, I think yeah, that's right. we're pro- just gonna put him and Colton no. in our little room. Okay, you know what we're gonna do? Like- the other, the other project that we're working on, Colton, for you, we're, we'll get him on as your as your debut episode. So, uh, we'll, we will get go. to that. Yeah, we'll, Darian we'll announce all that on. stuff later. I've been on their um, show before. Um, good guys, yeah, but I doubt Darian will ever come on with Colton. He will. Uh, well, I'll tell him it's my show, and we'll go from there. How about that? Um, I did want to say Dalton said <laughs> we're gonna he is turned 20. So he is a baby just like Nathan. You guys are wow. too young making me feel no, old, he, man. He, he, his birthday he, was the 20th. Oh. He's 20. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I took that as Tuesday. It was his 20th birthday. Okay. Yeah. I was right. It was Tuesday. Listen to me. Knowing, yeah. knowing something for once. I'm not being called out for being wrong this time. Um yeah, so like I said, great show tonight, guys. Uh, thanks for coming on, um, Rattlesnake. It was it was fun finally getting to talk to you. Uh, yeah. I know we've been talking behind the scenes, you and Colton especially, because he's been uh, on and off your show as well. Uh, appreciate you not taking him. Uh, I think he's better for us. Yeah, well, um, I think, I think you Colton, and Dakota's got everything going over there. I got to talk to you, Colton, too. I, I, next week, uh, me and Dakota were talking about doing another Chipperty. So we'll definitely have to get you back if that's, I mean, we you're got, the host of that thing. So we got big news coming with the NASCAR trivia. I've been working on this for months. There we go. No, wait. I'll do a Jeopardy. I, would, I mean, Jeopardy. I'll kill somebody to participate in that. But we got we got big shit coming, too. All right. Well, hopefully in chair game, hopefully next week we can get it set up. Probably not as big as whatever Colton's planning, but um, definitely not. Uh, it'll still be better though because I'll set it up instead of Colton. Uh, I don't know about that. Um, we got a lot of things coming down the line. Um, us and in, in, in our uh, in our um, not exclusively um, position named partner of Jared Bakaisa, we've got some some stuff cooking. Uh, we'll let you guys in, uh, let you on the know how so that so that we can get some of that stuff because um, I think you and all the fans watching now are, are definitely going to be into it. Um, and, and Colton's got some stuff cook, cooking. Uh, <laughs> Jared says, what's cooking? Because he's watching right now. You and, already uh, know, ex- my guy. Yeah. We've explicitly talked about not announcing it until it's closer. So, um, What's up, Jared? We just got just to stick around and watch. Good to see you, um, bud. With all that being said, thanks as always for watching. You know our Twitter handle. It's scrolling there at the bottom, at FanFuelPodcast1. That's how you're watching it. Always interact. We'll get you on the show if we're live, and uh, if not, we'll shout you out. Um, come by next week. Let us know um, if you got anything that you want to add to the show, and uh, we'll we'll see what we can do. Come on, a fan spotlight. We want we want as many views as we can get. Um, so, uh, with that being said, have a good night, and we will see you next week.